What is good, peeps? Welcome to an indefatigable artist. Just wake and be. I am your host, Bleas, just a human being a multimedia artist in the 21st century. Just a friendly reminder that it's free to support. A like, comment, or a share goes a long way. You can always check out more at bleese.com and sign up to the free newsletter. Softcover novels, audiobooks, and ebooks are available there as well. Thank you. Living in dreams. What is in between? Today's episode is about sleepy dreams, dreams and sleep, and everything in between. As a creative, I'm a big proponent of writing dreams down. So much inspiration comes from them. A lot of it admittedly doesn't make sense, but that's the wondrous joy of it. These otherworldly places that our minds can imagine. It's a lot to take in, and it's very difficult to even put into words, especially if you're not a natural writer. Like any exercise, and writing is certainly an exercise, just like running, it takes practice. You can't run a marathon the first time you start running. You have to build up to it. The more you do it, the better you become. And of course, what do you need in order to dream? You need to sleep. I really don't like this culture of no sleep. Always have to be grinding, 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 wake and grind, 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 grind. I fell victim to it in my 20s when I was going to school and working full time. I was going nonstop, holidays, weekends, every single day. There would always be that one day in the month where I would just collapse, where I could barely even get out of bed. Talking about this time brings me back to my first apartment. One bedroom off Broward Boulevard near 15th and Las Olas. It was a uh, walking distance to the restaurant. I was working valet at the time. It was, uh, it was a great job while in college. Could adapt my schedule around my school schedule. Made a lot of cash, which was great. Can definitely go into that job um, on a later episode as uh, I wrote an entire movie script about my experience there, as well as um, a manuscript for a uh, television series. But yes, living in dreams, sleepy dreams. I had said in a previous episode um, that I can still remember the night in 2009 when I woke up in a sweat as I dreamed the word bliss. In that dream, I could see the face of my main character. His green, malachite face with yellow, barrel eyes. His maddening stare directly in my face. Telling me to wake the fuck up. Fucking right. What the fuck are you doing with your life? It shocked me. It propelled me to learn more about this life, to find out more of what the universe had, to go further. Granted, we don't remember all of our dreams, and most of the time it's about the feeling of the dream over 
specific details within it or specific images you may have seen. But what I love to do is to pick up my phone in the morning and go right to my notes and start typing, writing down anything I can remember as fast as I can before the memory blurs. And I'll start from the dream and then I'll apply it to uh, my current life experience. Because um, as we are consciously experiencing the world around us, our brains are perceiving all of these different incessant sensory inputs so too is our subconscious mind. It's internalizing everything in a far different way. Freud suggests that uh, dreams represent unconscious desires, thoughts, wish fulfillment, um, motivations. How I see dreams is the unconscious part of the brain, the id, the subconscious, the other self, if you will having a surreal discourse within our mind. There have been mathematicians who have been working on solving an equation and dreaming of the solution, waking in the middle of the night and writing down the equation. That part of dreaming I just find so fascinating. Like As you're trying to work out this problem in your life, other parts of yourself are trying to work out that problem as well. Um, Similar instances have happened to me while writing Bliss and Bliss Paradox, where my characters would seep into my dreams. I could see the scene that I was writing. I'd be completely enraptured in it. I would run with it the next morning, going wherever the dream was telling me to go. Sometimes it didn't even make sense for me at the time why I was taking the story in this direction. But sometimes as a writer, you have to get out of your own way of the story. The story was literally taking on a life of its own. Bliss had already arisen from deep within myself from the start. But once I started to see scenes and characters in my sleep, once it crossed over that line, I felt it was real. Reality. What is it? Living and dreams. What is in between? If you have read the novels or listened to the audiobooks, you'll know how much these lines between reality and dreams gets blurred, sometimes to the point of disorienting the reader. But that is precisely the point. I know I flirt with the line of taking the reader out of the story, distancing them from it. But is that not what alien means? It's different. It's far away. It's unfamiliar. Never before seen. That's one thing that bothers me with a lot of science fiction is that they humanize everything. It's too, the, the, the characters, the scenes, the world, it's too human. Why would an alien world be so familiar? It wouldn't be. Which is another reason why I dove so deep into the dream state within writing. I wanted it to truly be alien. I wanted it to be otherworldly, unfamiliar, something you haven't experienced before with hints of allegory, hints knowing where certain elements were inspired by our everyday lives here on Earth. But this is a free-floating planet outside of our solar system. 
with life on it that doesn't know what humans are. I tried to stay as true to that as possible. Writing down my dreams, whether they had to do with the story or not, really helped me get there, really helped me escape this reality and go into this other place. Whether you're a writer or not, I find it very helpful to write down dreams. There's something that other parts of your mind are trying to tell you. It's up to our conscious waking self to listen to it. I have found this process also to be therapeutic, which speaks to the feeling that these dreams cause. Why did the dream make me feel this way? How can I apply that feeling to what I am experiencing in life right now? Maybe it applies to a stressful situation. Seeing this dream, it's trying to tell me something. Writing it down, I can now see the situation from a different point of view. And while writing down these dreams, I'll just let the brain go as fast as I can type. Whether it's on my phone, using my notes, or if I have to get up to the computer and write on my keyboard, I will just close my eyes and just let it all out. Whatever comes to mind. I don't care about spelling errors. I am just flowing. Um, I also love listening to certain playlists. Um, there's a couple that I've set up now that I listen to while I write. I'm a writer who um, does listen to music. I know some like complete silence um, and would even frown at the, the thought of uh, listening to music while writing. But uh, I have found that uh, listening to the same playlist, and I, I do this while I work on um, other pieces of art, like whether I'm graphic designing or video editing, I have different playlists for that as well. And I really think it develops this, you know, muscle memory, um, this feeling um, and repetition. It really helps with that, especially on days where you don't want to write. Um, listening to that same music will help you through that. At least it's helped me, you know, I, it's not every day that you're you're wanting to write, especially, you know, when you're trying to get a book out. Um, you have to be really diligent every day, um, working on it. And um, I have found listening to like Ludovico and Naughty um, help me help me through that process a lot, um, and and really um, built that where I can just let it let it go, and I'm just in this free flow state of writing and not getting in my own way. And as fast as I could possibly type, I am going, I don't get held up by, by spelling errors. I'll fix those afterwards. Or if a sentence isn't totally making sense, uh, I use the wrong word or whatever happens. I'll go back after, um, and make those changes. And sometimes I'll start with a dream, trying to write down as many details as I can rem remember. I feel there's such a short window while being in this state. The chemicals in the brain still coursing through the bloodstream. But as I start with the dream, maybe something in the dream, that again, the feeling, will make me think of something else. Maybe something I forgot about in my real life. Um, memories. A lot of my dreams take place back in Manchester, Michigan, where I grew up. Scenes on the farm or in the old historic village. Which then brings me to the first question I have received from a listener, which happens to be my cousin Jake, 
who also grew up back in Michigan. He lived in and around Manchester as well. He asked a great question that goes perfectly with today's episode. If a fan of yours were to go on a literary pilgrimage of their favorite author, you, appreciate that, what locations should they go to? Which places hold the most significance in regards to the growth of Ryan and his inspiration of writing his novels? I really like that phrasing, literary pilgrimage. And uh, I would say Manchester, Michigan definitely holds a lot of significance for me. Not only in my conscious state, but my dream state as well, as so many of my dreams reside back there. I just want to take a second to recognize my cousin Jake, whose grandmother is my great aunt. And uh, she recently passed away. And uh, may she rest in peace and um, be remembered for eternity in the memories of all the lives that she blessed. Not only her 37 years of teaching, but all she did for the community. I'm so thankful to her and um, all that she did for me and tried to do for me. But uh, I rebelled like I did um, everyone during that time. But um, she was uh, a pillar for the entire community of Manchester. And it uh, really pains me that uh, she, uh, she's gone, but she's not suffering anymore. And uh, I'm really glad that... Uh, I spent summer of 2021 in Michigan for that very reason. Is um, and also what sparked, you know, this podcast is um, wanting to spend time with uh, Aunt Mary and Uncle John, and then uh, my grandmother, who uh, is uh, in the hospital right now. Um. You know, gotta gotta spend time with uh, the elderly, and I know relationships may not always be the best, and it, there may be things you know in your mind that you think are holding you back from talking to someone. But um, I've said it before: say what you need to say while you have the time to say it. You know, tomorrow is not promised. Um, you have to, you have to say it no matter, no matter what, don't think like, Oh, if I say this, then this will happen. Like, don't worry about that neck. Like, just say it, you know, say it out loud, see how it feels. Um, but, uh, much love to Aunt Mary and, um, Uncle John. I remember going to their house every day after school, shoot hoops. When um, Jake was old enough, he was out there shooting with me. Then uh, <laughs> he went and got taller than me, and I didn't stand a chance of uh, winning after that. Um, but what holds a lot of significance is uh, that neighborhood, Macomb Street. 
it's the uh the first house i can really um remember living at um the apartment before i can only remember a few scenes and it's really blurry and uh I remember when uh, I was forced to move away from that house. Um, I tried running away, and the first place I uh, headed to was Aunt Mary's. I uh, I hated having to leave there, where all my childhood friends were. Later, um, I saw this meme, and uh, it really hit me. It said... Um, you and your friends went out to play for the last time, yet none of you knew it. That um, that hit me really hard. It was a punch in the gut that really brought me back to that moment of uh, leaving Macomb Street. Not even getting the chance to say goodbye to everyone. Um, I went back to that house and uh, actually carved my initials into the front porch. Um, and uh, whenever I visit Michigan to see family, I make a point to drive down Macomb Street, you know, really slow to take all the memories I had there. Now I am uh, grateful to have that have had that time. Um, that time I will uh, never able to never be able to. Uh, go back to time uh, was really so um, innocent and free for so long after leaving um, I wanted to go back so bad that it made me um, severely depressed and then um, angry you know dabda denial anger bargaining depression acceptance took me a while for that pain to go away and um, once it did I, I became truly grateful for that time grateful I had those years on Macomb Street and uh, after that as I have uh, mentioned in previous episodes there was a, a period in my life where I was bouncing around from family member to family member one of those family members that took me in was Jake's parents, John and Carrie. And this was after I was um, living with Aunt Mary and Uncle John for a time, but uh, I was um, I was just too much uh, for for them. And um, they, uh, you know, are retired and um, were older. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't be putting up with uh, 16-year-old me who, uh, yeah, it was not a good time, so I went and lived with John and Carrie, and I also want to shout out Sam, Jake's brother. I uh, I love you all, and uh, you were there for me when no one else really was at that time, and uh, you too tried to help me, but I didn't want to be helped at the time, and um, I can't express enough how much you all have uh, meant to me over the course of my life. Another house I lived at for a while was um, my step-grandparents' farm. And to return to Jake's question, if a fan of yours were to go on a literary pilgrimage, what locations should they go to? 
which places hold the most significance into my growth. So I talked about Macomb Street. And uh, the next one would be this farm. As uh, it was a profound moment for me, I had to um, I had to stop living with my mother and my stepfather as the situation escalated to the point where um, cops had to be called. So it was best that I leave. So I went to live at the farm. For me, um, eleven years old at the time, it was a. Uh, First time ever living on a farm and being around cows and horses as uh, regularly as I was there. But to them, I was a city slicker, as Gary often called me. Uh, That is, until he um, bought me my uh, first cowboy hat after I had earned his respect through riding horses and helping him with the cattle. That farm... um, really taught me a lot about responsibility and uh, how to care for animals. I, uh, I fell in love with being around the horses. Um, they have a way of communicating with humans on another level. The connection I had with my horse, Bree, was something I had never experienced until then, nor have I felt with another living animal since. Um, it really was on a, on a different level that I had... Uh, it blew me away. And like, I didn't at the time, like understand, you know, how deep that connection was, but wow. Um, she, I mean, she would like follow me around like a dog, uh, which is, you know, pretty unusual for, for a horse to do. Um, and we would go to shows and she would want to be like by my side. Like most horses were, you know, left tied up, um, by the, uh, or in a in a stall tied up to the the trailer but she uh she would one time she untied the knot that i had of her rope and i found her just like wandering you know through the whole lot it was uh it was pretty funny but she just wanted to be next to me so that was pretty funny um yeah before i had brie um my first riding experience, which wasn't the best to say the least, Gary, um, my step grandfather put me on this horse named Bossy, aka Trouble. He threw me on him. He saw the fear in my eyes and uh, asked me, What's the worst that can happen? You die? He laughed and then proceeded to chase me in this John Deere Gator. It's like a, a five-wheeled vehicle. It was used to work on the farm and to herd uh, the horses and cattle when needed. So they were all spooked by it and would run away from it immediately, which is just what Bossy did. He took off in a dead sprint, bucking just enough to get little 11-year-old me off his back and into the grass. Gary pulled up laughing as hard as he possibly could laugh. Honey, there ain't a cowboy that's rode that ain't been throwed. Now go get back on that goddamn horse. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but it was really a life lesson that carried with me. Life may buck you off, throw you down, but as long as you are still living, 
you have to get back up. What other choice do you have? Try. That is all anyone can do. And when you read the novels, you'll see a lot of references to Manchester and to the farm especially. In the novels, the town is called Chempster. Manchester, Michigan is an old historic village founded in 1837 with a lot of the same buildings that have been up for generations. It's a, it's a nice quaint town and um, I'm very grateful that I grew up there and was able to have the experiences that I did while living there. Now I just like to uh, go back and visit from time to time, reminisce, drive around town, sit and contemplate about life, how far I've traveled since then. Yet no matter where I go, Manchester still occupies my mind through various dreams. In my dreams, I still see faces of people I grew up with. Sometimes I'll see people I haven't thought about in years. It's um, really wild how childhood sticks with your mind through all this time, through all the trials and tribulations. Your childhood scene still resides in your mind. And now I want to share an example of a morning dream writing that I wrote back in April 2019 that relates to this topic and specifically how my dreams constantly reside back there even after all this time. Dream. I am back in Manchester. I have two cars. One is a rental. One is Aunt Mary's, I believe. I am to park them down the street. I park the rental in the middle of the street. Literally, in the middle of the street, there's a line of cars where you can park. Pretty good idea when you think on it. Then I need the car to drive to this party, so I go back. But I forgot which one I'm supposed to be driving. It's that Ford hybrid little SUV thing. Forget what it's called, but that's what it is. It's gray. Gray and blue interior. I turn the car around. There are people walking in the street. They see me embarrassingly looking for the car. I pass it. Someone, I think Amanda M., because I am back in Manchester, she points to the car and says, That one. I get in the car, turn it around, and head down the street towards the Legion, where the party is being held. Going back there, I don't know, feels old, unchanged, but different from what I remember it. And that's what I don't like about it. It's childhood, but it's not. It's something I will never get back again. It's a hollow feeling of age, a reminder of death. It looms over. Try to do a multitude of things to forget that it's coming, but it's always there, especially when I go back, that things change. You can't hang on to them. A million tomorrows for one yesterday. It's what we know. 
It's what is in my dreams. In this dream. When I am driving down that hill to the Legion, there is white chalk that looks like it was drawn by a child with left arrows and arrows pointing the way I was going and arrows in the other lane pointing in the opposite direction. There is construction going on in my right. All I can see are orange cones, orange poles with lights around the top, little light deflectors for the night. The party is a gathering. Someone has passed away. I brought some food that Aunt Mary couldn't carry. I see her behind the table barking orders to Uncle John in a joking way. Whatever I have to say to them in real life, I best say to them, Aunt Mary has had some scares. I saw it in her eyes the last time I was up there. There is a big bin of pasta. I get a black plate and fill it with pasta. So much there isn't room for anything else. I saw whoever passed away was a good guy. Sad to see him go, but glad we can eat. Something along those lines. I really appreciate Jake for not only listening to the podcast, but for posing that question. I'm definitely open to answering any and all questions you may have. That is at the heart of this podcast. Writing and creating art is a very lonely process, a process that has required me to make a lot of sacrifices. Sacrificing time with family and friends, so I want this next project to be more inclusive of those I care about. So I want to thank Jake again for asking that question, and I hope I answered it. If not, definitely let me know, and I can delve deeper in the next episode next week. That is how these podcast episodes will be, a string of thought going from one to the next, not knowing exactly why or where it will lead, but we will take it one step at a time, one word at a time, one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me on this indefatigable journey through this fickle, tormenting gift of life, and let's go further together. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and comment. It's free to support. A like and a share goes a long way. Softcover novels, audiobooks, and ebooks available at Bleast.com. Let's go further together, one step at a time. See you next week.